Today, we've got back a guest who's going to talk about how she managed to keep going despite having her sales really take a nosedive during the coronavirus, plus her unique strategies of having an army of hundreds of influencers and how blogs on her website help her business. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. And we've got my sister from another mister here, Cara from the UK. Cara, how's it going? I'm very good, but you didn't tell me I had to be serious. I don't do serious. You should know that. I know. it. When we talk about your seriousness, it's like you're doing some serious <laughs> stuff on Amazon, but we all know your your personality is anything but, right? <laughs> very true. Which is which is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, I mean, there are, enough, there are enough serious people out there in the world. I think, you know, we need more silly people. Indeed. And I'm happy to volunteer. Indeed. And I think you're quite good as well. Bradley, aren't you? So yes, I, I we're, we're cut from the same uh, cloth. If that's the, I don't even know if I'm saying that uh, saying right. But <laughs> anyways, guys, if you want right. to find out more about uh, Kara's background and and how she got started on Amazon and where she grew up and all that stuff, make sure to go back to episode 117. All right, she was on here about a year and a half or or so ago, and it was a really great, interesting, interesting talk. We talked about everything about how you know she was started on Amazon UK way in the early days there and and how she had celebrities and royalty using her product a lot of cool stuff but i i haven't even seen you in person since then and barely have talked since then just because you know obviously we've all been uh i've missed you quarantined i've missed you and everybody else i'm fine like in the next couple weeks i'm finally getting back out there on the road again i know you guys in the uk don't really have much uh ability yet to come here or or like you can come here but then you can't you probably can't go back or something like that right well, yeah, they'll just trap us. No, I don't think we can actually get in oh, wow. um, unless it's unless we, we've got um, some kind of um, special visa or something. I know a lot of people are having trouble actually getting into the US. Yeah. Um, unless it's like business and all the rest of it. So it is quite tricky at the moment. And we've been given really exciting places. Like, have you ever heard of the Falkland Islands where mm-hmm. we had a war about, about it quite a few years ago? Um, apparently, we're allowed to go to the Falkland Islands on holiday or Ascension Island, which is an also lesser known holiday spot destination, um, otherwise known as I've, I don't think anyone's ever been on holiday there. But we've been given a total of 12 countries, I think, that we're allowed to go to uh, that are green lighted without us having to quarantine. But about uh, eight of them won't actually let anyone in. Hmm. So we can go, but no one, we, you know, we can sit at their airport possibly and then just get on a plane and come back home again. Well, for some people, that might be the most activity they've had in a while. So you never know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Let's switch. Uh, speaking of this, you know, speaking of the world we live in, you know, I've talked to plenty of of Amazon sellers who, and, and then talked about the the positives and negatives of of you know the whole pandemic and how it's affected their Amazon businesses, but mostly USA. Uh, you might be the first person who who's sold in the or who's selling in the UK where uh, I've talked to you about that. So let me ask you that question. Like, so what what was the situation like over the last year in UK where were, was it similar to the USA, how in most categories sales went away up, you know, unless you were like in the travel industry or or something? Or or did, did you get blocked out of selling your your product for a while due to it not being essential? What, what's the pulse over there the last year for you? 
I'm not sure what's going on in the US, but what's a sorry, what pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's this pandemic? What's going on? What's this COVID thing? Uh, no. Uh, so uh, obviously, I sell sort of globally on Amazon. So I sell UK, US, Europe. Uh, although actually, I probably was I selling in Europe then? Yes, I was because we we it was before Brexit, and now I'm back in Europe again, but post Brexit, which is another living hell. Um, and uh, Australia, Canada, US, and UK. And so my US sales plunged about ninety percent. Wow. Uh, my UK sales plunged about eighty percent. Mm. Um, and I did sit there with a pencil and a piece of paper, actually wondering uh, how much it would cost me to just keep the business afloat for, say, a year. You know, um, well, and just- why was that? I mean, like, is it because people are not taking their kids for walks? I mean, I would think that that was something that would still not go away. So um, a lot of my products are used for travel. Um, and so when people are traveling uh-huh. to especially in the in the UK. So in the UK, I mean, and I think also it was just a shock. And everyone stopped buying because no one knew what was going on. And, and I think other than the people who were selling face masks and hand sanitizer, um, you know, a lot of people would, were not sort of initially not buying stuff. But um, in the UK, our government um, has been basically holding the country together with something called furlough, um, whereby they were paying everybody's um, wages, sort of, you know, anything, well, full 100% wages. Now I think it's down to 80% or something. Um, so there was actually an awful lot of people sitting at home filing their nails with a lot of money kind of coming in, not having to like spend thousands on train travel, going into the office, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So there's actually, I think, been a lot more kind of disposable income. A lot of apparently um, savings are massively up. Um, I don't know in the US, but in the UK, uh, the amount of money that people have been able to save has been mm. amazing. People have been paying off credit cards um, because the, those sort of day to day, quite extortionate bills are just not there. Um with regards to my products, what happened was obviously Amazon decided they were non-essential. Hello, have you ever tried to get your baby to go to sleep? I think most parents would disagree. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but um, uh, Amazon decided it wasn't as valuable as a face mask. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I can understand so, that um, anyway, a so, little bit. So all, so all of my products basically went on to uh, a massive back foot. And um, so I actually- Me, Meaning that you couldn't, enough, uh, I mean, once you sold out of your inventory, you couldn't replenish. No, no, uh, replenishment was okay. Amazon was basically spent taking like a month to dispatch. Oh, so, okay, okay, uh, yes. So for the first time ever, like normally when I, I help people on Amazon, I, I always say, you know, FBA all the way. But I actually had to learn how to do FBM and became quite efficient at it, I have to say. Um, and have, did, did, how, how did you do that? 3PL or you oh, have your own used, warehouse or what? I used, no, I used Amazon. <laughs> what? So um, basically- Oh, okay, uh, I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah so so ba- did you yeah, use the uh, merchant- um, what do you call it? The fulfillment. Yes. SP, the fulfillment network. So what was ironic was that a customer buying my product on Amazon who had prime delivery um, was being told that they wouldn't necessarily get my product for three weeks. If I placed that order myself using <laughs> Amazon, I could turn it around. It'd be with them in a matter of days. So did you turn off your FBA listing just to make sure that FBM one that shows the earlier uh, no, estimated date? No, I listened both- both running because like you know customers some customers were happy to wait maybe they then maybe they've got a trip booked for a couple of months or in three or four weeks time you know i mean i get that even now at the moment we're now what we're having is we're having issues getting stock into amazon in terms of and this is in the us mm-hmm. particularly and i've got 600 units that are sitting that have been shipped and we're waiting for amazon to process them and what's happening is we're sending the shipments in and because the product's so popular it sells out before it actually goes in stock 
So it's constantly saying that it's out of stock or that it's going to be available, but the earliest they can get it is, you know, May the 31st. We're talking about right but, now? Yeah, yeah, this is right now. Um, because they recently changed the um, the inventory levels from being ASIN related yes. to over, overview perspective, which was great because, to be honest, you know, that works really well for me. Um, how, how many units is, did you send in? What, like, well, what, like, were you only able to send a few units in or why is it selling out? Is it just that popular or is it just you, you, you have very few units? No, what's happening is, is that we're sending them in. So as I said, I've got 600 units okay. inbound like on their, and they're going in. We're shipping every single day smaller shipments uh, just to sort of hopefully get some of them in because Amazon's taking 21 days to process the shipments. So by the time it's processing one shipment, then that's selling out. So the next ah. shipment's going, you know, and it's just this constant not really being properly available for sale, which is fine because yeah. my website picks up the slack. Um, and that's the advantage of having a brand, like a real brand that sure. people are looking for, because obviously they find the website and then they buy from us instead, which is also good because we get their data. Yeah. Um, so, so are you feeding, um, how are you dripping this inventory in as your inventory limits open up from a 3PL? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. We've got 3PL. And also shipping from the UK as well. So um, I, I don't ship all, I ship my biggest sellers. I ship, I have a 3PL in the US and then everything else I fly in via DHL. Um, and um, that's, that works really well because actually it works out cheaper that like that just goes straight into seller central. Yeah. Um, and uh, that works out. That's I've been doing that for years. Yeah. Um, so it's some of the big, the bigger sellers. Like when I'm shipping in like thousands, I ship those in via sea, but everything else goes in via cartons. Okay. Let, 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 let's let's talk about let, let's you know I was talk, talking about you know pandemic and all this stuff, but this is interesting yeah. because this is something that happened you know about two three weeks ago, and, and I haven't had a chance to talk to any sellers out there. I, I did a big blog on it, guys. So if if you guys are wondering what is this inventory limitations thing, and you're not sure. I read your book. Bradley, I'm an avid Bradley. Yay! <laughs> Somebody, I got one. I got one reader out there. So, guys, uh, go to helium10.com forward slash blog. Type in um, like inventory limitations or something like that, and this article will come up. And I have like the graphs there that show uh, show you how to find your inventory limitations and what uh, this these new restrictions means. But this is a great example. Now we can talk to an actual seller who's who's having a transition. So. Uh, when I wrote that blog, it was like the same day that it came out and I had said, I was like, hmm, I can really kind of foresee some people being happy about this because now there's th that 200 limitation is gone, you know, and then so now when they when they launch new products, you know, they, they can go ahead and send all 500 or 1000 or whatever, like the old days. But then I was like, other people, depending on what their inventory situation is, they actually might be screwed because they might be maxed out uh, on inventory. So it looks like you're almost a little bit on that ladder. Uh, category. I mean, it's an interesting one because actually one of the things I did last year as well as I assessed all my storage fee costs with Amazon. And that's why I now actually mainly operate out of a 3PL and we send in small shipments more regularly than rather than leaving it sitting in Amazon. Uh, because I mean, especially in um, Q4 when their mm -hmm. um, storage costs like quadruple or whatever it is, um, you know, my, my 3PL uh, pricing does go up very slightly for Q4, but like minimally. And I've actually saved thousands of dollars by using a 3PL, where the big barrier is, is that we, we're just having to constantly experiment. So yeah. I will probably get them to send in like a couple of hundred units um, and then send some smaller shipments and then send a couple of hundred and then smaller. And then, you know, basically just what we just need to do is stay in stock long enough to sort of then when they're processing the shipments we sent in three weeks ago, um, yep. that yep. that will then hit at that time. So when you're sending, when you said uh, about three minutes ago, sell, sending smaller shipments in, 
uh, obviously you're talking a little bit about, you know, sending from your 3PL to Amazon, but were you also talking yeah. about shipments coming from your factory to your 3PL or are those still your kind of business as no, usual? They're all fine. Yeah, they're all business as usual. My, I mean, to be, to be honest, my manufacturer is absolutely incredible. Um, and I haven't really been impacted at all. I mean, I, whenever okay. I click my fingers and I want a shipment, it happens and it happens within a, a good time frame. And, you know, the whole evergreen thing was a bit of fun potentially because that could have really screwed up because I had quite a lot of shipments coming out at that time. Uh, but it hasn't impacted so far. And things have actually been coming in earlier than, okay. we, than we planned. So uh, That whole inventory situation thing, obviously, I know that's the case in the USA. Is it, is it identical in, in the UK? It's definitely got longer, the processing time, um, but it's not as bad as it is in the U.S. Um, so it's it's sort of noticeable in the U.S. So then um, what, what what's so your what's your limitation uh, in the U.S.? Well, in terms of how much stock I yeah. can send in, I think I've got like 5,000 units, 7,000, I don't know, five or 7,000 And then you're like, but the reason why you're having to drip it is because you're pretty much like 90, 90 plus percent of, of that? No, no, no. The reason I'm having to drip it is because... When we send in a really big shipment mm -hmm. of like 500 units, it takes them three or four weeks for them to get it going. So I've then got 500 units stuck in nowhere land. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas what I'm doing at the moment is I'm shipping them in in smaller shipments. What? On the so, and so that, that changes the time that, are you serious? Like, are, 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 are you doing UPS or partner carrier for both? Or one of them are, are like PAL or LTL shipments and one is the partner carrier? Not the shipping time; it's the Amazon processing time that's the issue. That, that, that's right? what I mean, though. Like, like if they're if you're both using the partner carrier, like how is it different? Unless you're, it's a different type of shipping. No, it's not that. It's the it's the intake from Amazon. It's got nothing to do with the delivery time. It's got to do with the fact that the moment it hits and Amazon receive it, mm -hmm. then they are taking up to three weeks to put the, yeah, the stock yeah. into stock. Yeah? yeah. So if I send five hundred units in. Then that whole 500 units just sits there waiting until they start processing it. Uh huh. Whereas if I send in 60 units, 70 units, another 70 units, one of those shipments is going to hit and get processed. Yes. And then go in, start going into stock. And then hopefully within like a few days, the next one. And then if any of them get stuck, stuck then it means that you haven't just tied up 500 units yeah. in, a, in, in a situation where you, you can't sell or you can't do anything. So, I'm, I'm, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's literally normally what used to happen was you sent it in and it took like three or sure. four days for it to go into the shop. Yeah. But now it's taking three weeks. Interesting. Okay. So that's why I wanted to, to, to see, it wasn't, you know, about the shipping time, but I was just wondering if, if even when you were doing the 500 units at a time, if that was still just using the UPS partnered carrier. Um, it doesn't, to be honest, it's not about, I don't know. I mean, yeah. um, we, we, I just, my 3PL does it all for mm -hmm. me, but I think, yeah, it's all, we do it via Amazon's like shipping. Thing yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very like that. That's crazy. Uh, because <laughs> it's the reason why I'm not necessarily familiar with that is because me, I've always done it the way you're talking, like just because I have my own warehouse at my house. Right. And, and so like, I'm, I just ship everything here and I, and I, I never like paying Amazon storage. I like keeping a nice levels of my inventory. So I've always just by default dripped it, you know, 50 units at a time, yeah. 80, hundred, yeah. depending on the sales. Right. And so like, I've always experienced those, uh, those kind of fast turnaround times. I didn't realize that sometimes if you do these long or bigger shipments that, that it gets stuck now that the essential thing is long done. Do you still dual list everything or did you have you transitioned back to hundred percent FBA? No, I haven't actually. I've left the FBM listings there because actually Good. the other side I, I do the same thing. Is, 
Yeah, the, the other side of that is not everyone has Prime. Like, yeah, most people do. Um, like, as in, you know, um, who doesn't have Prime? No, seriously. Yeah, but like yeah. a lot of people don't have Prime. Yep. And I offer free US shipping. So they're not getting a different deal, you know, um, when they, they, they may not get it as fast as Prime, but they're not having to pay for shipping, standard shipping. And then we have expedited shipping, which we charge for, um, which is the same as on my US website. So I don't charge for US shipping. I don't do, I mean, I know a lot of people do like this free shipping over X $100 and all the rest of it. I just don't bother with that because, you know, actually I don't want to decentivize somebody from buying the product. Um, and that's worked really well in the UK when I when I switched on free UK PMP. What was that? It was about four or five years ago. And then I did the same in the US. And um, that's I think that's definitely helped with sales. And I charge a very small amount for expedited, uh, which just adds to the kitty rather than totally covering the cost. It does. Again, it does what? I remember, guys, if you listen back to 117, I learned about yeah. seven new phrases because <laughs> of the way car talks. It did. Can you say that again? I can't remember what I said now. Something about um, a kitty. Oh yeah, adds to the kitty. So um, what does yeah, that mean? So a kitty is like a, a money box, you know, like um, like when you go when you oh like a like uh, a piggy bank. Yeah, kind of like a piggy bank sort of concept. Yeah. So um, you know what what happens is when you go out when you go on holiday, for example, and you're all sharing, like you're like, yeah, we're all on holiday. Let's all buy drinks. Then uh -huh. you have a kitty. So everyone puts in like twenty dollars, <laughs> and then when the kitty's gone, then you put another twenty dollars in the kitty. So it's kind of like a little savings account, you know um like that you use and so it's just an expression of like putting money in a kitty which kind of helps contribute towards costs if that makes sense yeah would you is this my translation yes, yes i got it so guys every time you hear cara you get amazon knowledge and then you get some uh british uh slang that, uh knowledge as well anyways continue um so now i've completely forgotten uh, oh, i yeah. did too so i'm just thinking about the the kitty there <laughs> but yeah. go ahead yeah, yeah. So, so basically what i mean by that is say it costs me like ten dollars to ship standard which will probably take like anything between five and seven days then i charge four dollars for expedited shipping now the expedited shipping might cost me twelve dollars but actually that four dollars contributes more to my cost than obviously not charging anything for shipping mm -hmm. and so actually and also what happens is because it's only four dollars customers very often because i i say on my website that my uh, shipping time is seven to 10 days, uh, whereas the um, expedited is four. Uh, so I always uh, uh, like basically under promise over deliver. So mm -hmm. I always say that it's going to take longer. Um, and then they'll, they, I mean, a number of orders that come in with faster shipping for just $4, but then that helps massively like towards the cost of the shipping for me. So it just makes it a little, you know, just a bit of an extra way of making money. Okay. All right. Really, really interesting stuff here. Really interesting stuff. So what about in the UK? Like how, are you seeing the same kind of thing? Like, are you wanting to drip your inventory or not just the UK, no. but, but Europe or anywhere else? Or is this pretty much only oh, USA Europe, you're having to do this? Europe is a, Europe's a whole separate podcast, honey. In Europe, the, yes, the challenge. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I mean, boy, oh, boy, did our prime minister piss off the Europeans. Um, so basically, they have pretty much sat there. Um, every time I think they see an English shipment, they just spit on it, jump up and down on it, and then and then see if they can send it back. Um, it is... and and. Also, because everyone was getting VAT registered, I mean, I, I, I went and got VAT registered in Germany uh, because that's the bigot, biggest marketplace in, in Europe. Um, and then that means I can store stock in Germany and then I fulfill all my European orders because I have European website orders, as well as obviously then fulfilling. We've now got Amazon Italy, France, Germany, Spain, Sweden, mm -hmm. Netherlands and Poland. Um, and, um, your so listing is active across the board, uh, in all of those. 
Sorry? Are, are your listings active uh, across the board in yeah, all yeah. of those? You, you basically just press a button and say, and the only country I don't sell to is Austria, because in Austria, if you sell a product to an Austrian, then you have to VAT register. Like that literally just the mere fact you've sold to them means that you are liable to VAT register. So a top tip for anyone who's selling in, in um, EU, if you're not doing pan-EU where you're registered everywhere, if you're only registered in one European country, switch off Austria because um, until until July, when it's all changing again, when we have this new thing called IOSS, uh, which is um, a new kind of like online streamlined service, which is the where the idea is, is that basically um, Amazon, if you're only selling, and this is, if you're only selling on Amazon, um, Amazon will be collecting all the money. But if you've got your own websites, whereby you might be selling to European customers, you need to be still registered in a country somewhere in Europe mm -hmm. in order to process your IOSS shipments and orders and things and pay the VAT to Germany or wherever you're VAT registered. And they then pass it on to the countries okay. um, that you sold to. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, Brexit's a nightmare. Getting, I mean, getting shipments into uh, America is actually a whole load easier even than, I mean, as in, in getting into Seller Central um, US is still less of a headache yeah. uh, than getting anything into um, Europe at the moment. It's just a mess. All right, guys, quick break in this episode for the BTS Bradley's 30 seconds. Here's my 30 second tip. This is going to be about product research. We've got tens of thousands of Helium 10 users who use Blackbox to, to find a, a product, you know, from advanced users to beginner users. But most of them are looking for products. And then some of the more advanced ones are like, hey, I'm looking for keywords. But what very, very few people are taking advantage of is the advanced filters that we added a few months ago right there at the bottom of the black box for keywords. So go to black box for keywords, you know, pick your categories, but don't fill out the top categories, right? Or the top filters go to the very bottom because what those do, uh, the advanced filters, it's taking sample sizes of just the top 10 organic results from the keyword. So for example, I can enter in, Hey, show me a product in the home and kitchen category that's priced between 15 and $35 that I can do from the very top. And then I can skip to the bottom and then say, Hey, out of the top 10 products, all right, I want between five and eight or something like that to have at least X amount of uh, estimated sales. So that's one of the options. Or I want to see at least four item or four products out of the top 10 have less than X number of reviews. Or maybe I can say, hey, I want to have, you know, at least five products out of the top 10 have less than a 4.0 star rating. I mean, you, you could do any one of those. You can combine them, but it's a really great advanced way to do product research to find keywords that you might not have found otherwise. Going back to, you know, what happened to you across the board, you know, 80% down here, 90% down there. I mean, you know, for a while, Amazon has been your main source of income so how did you manage you know life <laughs> you know like when, when you're when you're in a groove you know like you have certain expenses and you got your income that's you know fairly steady like so what what happened right so um it only really plunged uh, well i was about i wasn't 30 percent down i was about i think 20 percent down year on year in total um in 2019 i had an absolutely stonking year now do you know what that what? one means um I, I, i'm assuming uh very similar to Stonking means amazing. Yeah, absolutely smashing. That, that, that's what yeah, I would normally exactly. think. Right so there. Absolutely stonking is even better. Okay, so start excellent. saying 
absolutely stonking. Okay, so I had an absolutely stonking year in 2019. Um, had did the biggest turnover, profit, everything for that year. Um, and then everything was kind of really on a, on an up. And um, in January, February to sort of you know early March, um, I was actually on holiday in the Dominican Republic um, around March the I think I came back around March the 13th. And then the March the 14th, they stopped all flights out of the Dom Republic and also any flights in. So I literally got back in. What happened then was when we went into lockdown, that's when we kind of plummeted off a cliff. Yeah. And then actually also for me, my products are quite seasonal. So um, in terms of, you know, people uh, using them when it's sunny and what have you. So in the UK, it kind of all bumbled back to kind of normal levels. And then actually the US as well. I think people weren't traveling like like internationally, but they were still traveling a lot in, in their own state. And you, so you have to remember that like one state in the US is the same size as the whole of the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think people, from what I understand, were still were still traveling around. They just weren't traveling maybe either interstate or they weren't traveling out of the country. Okay. But people were still staying in places where they needed their baby to sleep. Um, and uh, and also, obviously, we had a lot of, um, you know, uh, people who were now working at home with a baby who needed a nap and all the rest of it. So um, actually, my sales kind of went back again. The only, I mean, obviously, my I mean, I had to do stuff. I'd canceled. This is a really good tip. Pay attention. Right. I can guarantee you that you will have subscriptions and costs and other things going on in your business world that you don't need. Like, for example, I found that I was still paying about £50 a month for a hosting for a website I no longer had. Um, I fa- and I'd been doing that for at the last like eight months. I was paying for some SEO package that I'd signed up for like a free trial. And then I found that I was actually paying £99 a month for it. And I just went through it and I was lethal, like in cutting out every single cost um, that I could. Um, I kept all my team on um, bar one, um, but the one person who went actually needed to go anyway. So it was actually quite a good excuse. So thank you, <laughs> pandemic. Um, and, uh, and then I, in fact, I ended up taking on some more people. Um, and then just really keeping really close. Now, with regard to income, et cetera, that doesn't really impact on me because I always make sure I've got plenty of profit because I, I don't pay myself a salary, not a very big one. I pay my, I don't know how it works in the US, but in the UK, we pay ourselves um, more sensibly through dividends. Okay. So I pay myself out of the profit from the business. So I had plenty of profit in the business to pay myself. And I did pay myself slightly less because I was just being a bit cautious, but I didn't exactly have to start like, you know, eating breadcrumbs or begging on the streets or anything like that. Okay. So, um, So that was good. I was quite relieved. Um, and, um, and so, you know, it's always important. I mean, and, and I also, uh, the other thing I had was last year was less profitable because I had to do things like fly stock that I'd canceled because when it first happened, I did panic, to be honest, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I just canceled a whole load of orders that didn't, I didn't think necessarily were gonna like that needed to be done ASAP. Yeah. And I, so I just went right, hold those orders. So we, we paused them and then sales started to pick up. I ended up having to fly like a thousand units over from China which cost me just in like the DHL shipping costs cost me about twelve thousand pounds. That's so like what fifteen thousand dollars or something. Yeah, you're still able to say profitable. Yeah. Oh, darling, I don't do anything unless it's profitable. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I mean, but well, so it, it was less profitable. All it meant was I made less dollars, but I was still selling. Okay. Whereas my, I would so I so I do go out of stock. So for example, I'm out of stock of some products. Um, but you see, because I've got a range of products. I've always got one that usually picks up the slack if one of the others goes out of um, off out of stock. Okay. Um, and as a general rule, usually in eleven years of doing business, I've only gone out of stock a couple of times. Um, 
But uh, last year I went out of stock a couple in a couple of things and then picked it back up. And now I've actually gone out of stock again. <laughs> hmm. So because it's now everything's picking up again and, and everything's selling. So. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's talk. You, you've been giving us some, some, some tips and strategy already. So let's just like uh, double down on that. Now, what uh, I remember last time we talked about um, how, you know, celebrity marketing, influencer marketing played a, a, a role in, in the beginning. Have you done any of that? Uh, have you expanded on that anymore? Like in the last okay. year, get some yep. endorsements or anything? That's one of the things we really like double down on mm. um, because um, actually we had more time in many ways because um, we had more sort of thinking time. So actually all of last year was spent really building more of an army of uh, influencers and um, brand ambassadors. And my products um, are very popular with baby sleep consultants because they obviously help babies sleep. And so my team, I took on another member of the team whose sole job is to liaise with and manage all of the baby sleep consultants. So I reckon we now have probably maybe 300 uh, worldwide because we have quite a, we have them in Australia, Canada, US, UK, um, you know, Japan. Um, I mean, we, ha we literally have sleep people, sleep consultants everywhere. Um, and because the product does what it says on the tin, I mean, you can't, you, what, one thing I should also say is you can't do this unless your product doesn't, it, unless your product delivers. So if you, if you're selling something and your product doesn't deliver, then no influencer is really going to want to work with you unless you're paying them. And I don't pay people. So not all of this is unpaid as well. Um, having said that, one of the things we've also worked on over the last year, which is fabulous, is if you have a Shopify website, um, there's a brilliant little app. Uh, that you can plug in and there's a free element to it which is more does more than you need like uh to to be to, to be happy on a basic level although i've now upgraded in the uk because we need a little bit more uh, oomph from it but it's still only 15 dollars a month or something um is go Af pro um and that's brilliant because what you do what we did is we set up an affiliate network so every single baby sleep consultant we work with creates their own code they can share that with their followers, their clients, and then they earn a commission on the back of it. Is that how you're managing those 300 plus people yeah. in your network? We to, so we don't have to, like what we were having to do before is we would set them up with a manually with a discount code on um, Shopify. And then we'd have to download an, X, an Excel spreadsheet and work out how many sales they made and take the VAT off the sales tax, take off any discount, take off the shipping and then work out what their commission would be. Yeah. Whereas GoAF Pro does that all automatically. So we've got like a little dashboard so I can see at any given moment in time exactly how much money I owe to influencers, you know. Um, but it also makes the influencers feel like part of your business as well, which is really nice um, because, you know, they like to feel that they're I helping a small business, but also they like to feel like they're involved, you know. Yeah. So um, what's that website you're using for that? It's not a website. It's an, it's an app that plugs into um, Shopify. So, um, oh, okay. it, but it's called, um, go G O AF as in affiliate pro P R O. And it's all one word. So if you okay. go to the Shopify, um, app store, uh, you can download it for free and there are, you know, it does all sorts of things. So you get like little, e you, you know, it sends a little email to the person when they sign up and you can, you can have a little landing page, which says, hi, you know, we're snoo shade, uh, sign up if you want to. And I actually have that as well as, uh, on the website so that people can, you know, sign up as an affiliate, even if we don't know them. At the end of the day, um, you know, if it's extra sales and extra traffic being driven to the website, um, that's all good. Um, I've also signed up with a another affiliate network, which is an, uh, their, that is their their raison d'etre, their reason for being is that they have like thousands and thousands of affiliates 
And so what, what GoAF Pro enables you to do is to talk to the people that you already know. So the people who know you already, you can, you can incentivize them, et cetera. But what Paid on Results does um, is it exposes your brand to people who maybe don't know about you already. Yeah. Um, and then they can make money off you as well. So, okay. you know, we've sort of done a lot more on that um, and partnerships and that sort of thing. Okay. Well, guys out there, um, take a look at those websites and or those uh, apps that she mentioned. And also, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know this, but, you know, Helium 10 is bigger now. We've got other companies that are part of our umbrella. Uh, so another company that sounds like it's very similar to their that actually would be along those lines is Refersion. So that's a Helium 10 company there. All right, more strategy stuff. What else have you been doing lately that maybe we didn't talk about last time that you were doing already before or something new in the last search, year? Search engine optimization, very important part of the business if you've got a website. And um, we've been working on that for the last year and a bit, which has been really like showing results, increasing um, uh, visits, visitors, and um, utilizing more keywords and that sort of thing. So uh, working hard on that. Um, one of the top tips there is that if you have got your own website, uh, the way that Google is moving in terms of how it is assessing websites and whether or not they add value, et cetera, and if they add value, then they're going to show the website more to um, to their, you know, people who are searching. Mm -hmm. It's all about your blog because your blog is where you can talk about things that make you relevant, make yes. you an expert, make you um, a sort of force to be reckoned with on a particular subject matter. So, you know, that's one of the things I'm investing in at the moment is, I've well, I always have done. So I've got a 10-year-old blog. So I've got like hundreds and hundreds of blog articles all about baby sleep and babies and all that sort of stuff. And then what we're doing is we're also working on growing it um, and, and sort of fine-tuning so that each website gets its own domain authority in its own country. So I have four websites. I have UK, which also uh, services anywhere in the rest of the world that I don't have a website. And then I have Snooshade USA, Snooshade.ca in Canada, and Snooshade.com.au for Australia. Um, and all of those are fulfilled via Amazon. Um, and um, But the in terms of making sure you have to treat each website in each country um, as a um, an individual. You know, don't just treat your website yeah. if you've got, you know, because you've got to think about who's coming to buy um, so one of the things I think a lot of people do is, you know, they, they try and attract everybody to their website. So you've got a .com and you're like, no one in the UK is going to buy from you, right? If you've got a .com website and everything's in dollars and you've got to wait like three weeks for it to be shipped. Um, yep. whereas, you know, I mean, you know, some people will, don't get me wrong. Um, but the majority won't. So if you are selling in Europe or in the UK, particularly, you know, you should have a .co.uk domain and you sell locally and make sure that what you're doing is localized, you know, and the same for Australia, the same for Canada, you know, wherever you're selling. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at your website now. So like just on your Shopify website, you've got a, in your, um, in your menu bar there, you've got right front and center blog. And then I, I see you guys have a pretty good cadence. Like it seems like almost, uh, you know, every, every week, at least there's one piece of content coming out. Uh, at least. I mean, I, we do four a month usually. So, um, and what we also do uh, a lot of the time is we um, update older, we re repurpose content. Yes. So it's not about actually necessarily reinventing the wheel. Um, it's often about um, taking like, you know, as I said, I've got 250 articles. We don't need to write 200, more, 250 more articles. Yeah. What we probably need to do is we need to work on repurposing that content with a slightly different title, slightly different information. And sure. that's one of the things we do where I use my baby sleep consultants and all the experts 
because what we're starting to do now is we're starting to utilize their content. We get them to write, like at the moment I'm, I'm creating like baby sleep guides for different age ranges. And we basically provide kind of one standardized article. And then I get the individual sleep experts to comment. So it, it makes the article different for every single country. So I have the same article potentially, but it'll be Canadian sleep consultants, US sleep consultants, UK sleep consultants, Australian sleep consultants, yeah. which then as far as Google is concerned, makes it significantly different enough to still be relevant, but localized. Yeah. And so then you start ranking for things like, you know, tips on how to get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, people are going there for the value of the what's there, but then, you know, they're, they're going to see some, some links to your product there. And yeah, exactly. I, I can totally see the benefits here. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, one last one. Um, uh, we did this on the show last year, the, our TST 30 second tip. So you've been giving us a lot of different tips, but what's a, one more thing that you can say. I know that everyone talks about outsourcing as if it's like the, the be all and end all. And I absolutely believe in outsourcing. But my, my biggest tip is, first of all, make sure you understand what it is that you're outsourcing. And second of all, break it down, right? Because, for example, I now have a team of about six people who all do different things. So one person works on baby sleep consultants. One person works working with influencers. One person um, works with the affiliates. One person um, does the copy for the website. Somebody else does the copy, which is more sales copy, like product descriptions and things like that. Because what is very, very difficult to find is one person who fits that whole bill. Now, I'll be totally honest and say that I can do all of the things that uh, I'm asking other people to do, but I'm a rarity and I'm also the owner of the business. And I do think entrepreneurs are a slightly different breed. We do tend to be a sort of master of all trades. Yeah. Um, but I do think um, otherwise, it's very tempting to kind of carry on doing that. And one of the things I've been focusing on specifically for the last few months um, is actually outsourcing every little job that I don't want to do um, because I'm sort of fed up of writing product descriptions. I'm fed yep. up of writing, you know, of, of like naming files and, and uploading images on websites and making sure the SEO works, et cetera. And I've got someone who does the SEO. I've got someone who does this. I've got someone who does that. Um, so that would be my top tip really, which is, you know, make sure you understand why you're doing something and then find the right person. And, and it might be that they're only doing a few hours a month for you, but it's very focused. Um, and, and they know what they're doing rather than waste your time. I do find, I see a lot of people going, Oh, you know, go to Fiverr or go, I mean, don't get me wrong. I use Fiverr and all those sorts of places mm -hmm. for like the odd job here and there. But if this is something that like is representing your brand, you really want someone who knows what they're doing and, you know, and, and actually, um, you know, speaks the language fully, properly, yeah. etc. because I do find often, you know, on Fiverr, you're getting people who don't necessarily speak English as their first language and that will show. Um, so, uh, that would be my tip. And then, oh, can I just, I'll give you an extra one. Go on. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Okay. Which is the other one is, and I always bang on about this. I probably banged on about it in my last, uh, podcast. But customer service cannot be mm -hmm. understated on how important it is. And it's really interesting because I don't, I'm really passionate about delivering a great customer experience to my customers. Without them, I would not have a business. And we bend over backwards. And I, and I think the problem is sometimes is that, again, people look at the pennies or the cents rather than the dollars and actually refunding a customer for their product in, in actually in the bigger picture of life. If, as long as your product's generally really good, just bloody refund it. Give, make the customer happy, or if there's a fault, apologize. Say sorry, 
Because, you know, the number of times that people don't actually apologize for the fact that they've got, I mean, I always, we have a standard spiel. It's like, I'm really sorry about the fact that you've had a faulty product. That must be really inconvenient for you. Let me reassure you that, you know, my fault rate is really low normally, but obviously, you know, mistakes happen and things, right? Please just send me a photo of it. Don't bother sending it back. I will send you a replacement. And we have literally had, especially, I don't know whether there's something going on in the US at the moment, particularly with bad customer service, but we've literally had like customers where we've been dealing with them, where they've had issues about something. And they're like, oh my God, we are blown away by your customer service. And it shouldn't be that hard, like to blow people away. Like it really isn't that hard. So if you you invest in one thing, it's be nice to your customers. (laughs) I love it. All right, uh, Cara, if if people want to reach out to you, uh, how can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, basically, carasaya.com is the easiest place. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Cara, it's been great catching up. Uh, sorry to hear that, you know, the rest of 2020 didn't work out, but uh, here's to a uh, successful rest of 2021 sales wise. No, it was fine. I was only down about 400,000. It was fine. Oh, only, oh yeah. 400,000. Just a drop in the bucket there. <laughs> I love the positive attitude there. There we go. That's another, that's a tip in itself. Let's get a grip here. I didn't like go from like turning over nearly 2 million down to like 100,000 or something. I mean, I dropped 400K, which wasn't great, but it still was a bloody amazing year. And considering everything else that was going on in the world, I'm really grateful for the fact that I'm still here. Exactly. Um, And my business is still here and thriving. So I don't see 2020 as a bad year. I see it as a really learning year. You know, we learned a lot or we should have done. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, Cara, I hope to see you in person soon. You're always, if you guys think that she's uh, hilarious uh, on a podcast, she's even crazier in person. So uh, make sure to to watch out what conference she's going to go to so you can meet her in person. You know, you're wait- you, I know you're ready for that hug, aren't you? I'm waiting for that what? Hug. Oh, hu- I thought you said hug. I'm like, is this another word? Hug? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't even know if, if that's like, going to be okay. Like that's going to be an awkward thing. Like once we start meeting each other, like, Cause you know, everybody, we all like to hug, but then it's like, is that like, okay? Like do we need to ask permission to hug? And it's like, Oh, I don't even know what this world is anymore. But anyways, Cara, I hope to see you at the billion dollar seller summit this year or one of the prosper show or something. There will be somewhere somehow, Bradley, nothing can keep us apart. There we go. All right. I'll have, I'll go to the UK then if that's what it takes. <laughs> Great. All right. We'll see you later, Cara. <laughs>